The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Have you ever been so excited about a certain event? So often it seems like movie premieres or some kind of concert or sporting event or TV premiere or whatever. We get so excited for it that we go through this certain ritual. We buy special clothes for it. We have certain ways that we prepare ritually for it. And that day comes and we put on those special clothes and I've seen maybe some pictures of drafts is happening and people are decked out in their sports teams to try to hopefully sway their teams to a better choice. All of these kind of secular reasons, all these secular understandings of ways in which we prepare for great events is a little glimpse into what we have present with us today. These five young men and women who have spent months preparing, even years preparing for this great moment, this great day, which is beyond any sporting event or concert or any encounter with a mere human being. They've got special clothes. They've gone through special rituals. They've done it all for the purpose of encountering God himself. One of these beautiful ways that we can understand God's divine mercy. So often we think of divine mercy to be just merely the confessional, that God forgives my sins. That's only one aspect of his divine mercy. A central aspect of that divine mercy is the simple fact that God himself will come down on this altar. That God himself, Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will be present here because he longs to be with you. Because he wants to have a personal relationship with you. 
Because he wants to prove that he loves you. Now, going to a movie or a sporting event or any of those kind of things, you don't get a personal relationship with the concert, with the guy who's up there singing, or with any of the players. But even though we gather here as a family, we gather here for an individual kind of personal relationship. This is at the heart of that whole debate of I'm spiritual, not religious. Why do we gather here? Well, if we're just religious because we feel like we have to be or we just go through the motions or it doesn't have a personal meaning to it, then we're doing it wrong. The Catholic faith has us all gathered together as one family because meals mean a lot more when they're gathered as a family. The sacraments and the great moments of our lives mean a lot more when we're gathered as a family. But yet it is all about an individual, personal relationship as well. Now to understand all of this, the simple fact of divine mercy that God loves to be with you. He longs to have a relationship with you. You can use a simple analogy. Imagine that a daughter runs up to her father and wants to play dolls. Most fathers don't love playing dolls. Or maybe imagine that a child has a t-ball game in the middle of summer in a blazing hot July day and there's no, sun, there's no shade from the sun whatsoever. Now, this father and these parents will play dolls for hours and stand out there in the blazing sun, not because they love dolls or maybe even t-ball, but because they love the one who wants to do them. They love their child. And because of their child and their love for that child, they will go through just about anything. Well, maybe you don't love prayer. Maybe you don't enjoy coming to Mass every Sunday, weekend after weekend. Maybe confession is not something you look forward to and maybe even are afraid of. But whether or not you like them, can you admit the simple fact that the one you love, our Lord Jesus Christ, He loves them. Can you love them for his sake? Can you do them for his sake? Just like we would for our children, can we love these things because of the one we love? If perhaps we're not there ourselves. But yet, divine mercy doesn't stop there. God continues to humble and condescend himself to such a point that he makes himself approachable and even consumable. He makes himself so approachable by us that he's present under the accidents of bread and wine. He so longs to abide with us, my brothers and sisters, that he's present body, blood, soul, and divinity under the aspects of bread and wine every single day. This is divine mercy. And if we could really think about that and really accept that reality, that Jesus Christ himself has done all of this, not just for us in general, but for you in particular. And he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, he founded a church, he did everything for the last 2,000 years for this very moment, so that he could prove to you how much he loves you. If you can accept that aspect of divine mercy, then there's nothing to fear from confession, there's nothing to fear from his continued invitations to conversion. But one of the gifts of his divine mercy in the most holy Eucharist is his continual abiding presence with us. And this is part of the reason why I've moved first, confess- first communions back to the parish masses. Because I want everybody in the parish, this is our family, these are our children of our parish family. And as we watch them joyfully receive Eucharist for the first time, 
It should renew in our own hearts our own joy for our experience with Christ in the Most Holy Eucharist. It should be an example to each and every one of us of that joy we ought to have every single time we come to this altar. And so on this day of this first communion of these, our sons and daughters, who will bring up these gifts, who will prepare, who prepared themselves for this great gift, I love it because sometimes first communicants come forward somewhat hesitatingly. Not necessarily because they question what's going on, but it's just there's joy and there's all sorts of things going on. But they are truly trying to think through what they're doing. My brothers and sisters, we can learn a good lesson from that. Has going to Holy Communion become just something we do? Has it become just part of the motion we go through every Sunday when we come to Mass? It's just, I'm Catholic, I go to Mass, and I get Communion. That's just how it is. So I think on this day of this First Communion, and especially on this day of Divine Mercy, we can ask ourselves some very simple but yet important questions to prepare our own hearts for this personal encounter with Christ. Why do you want to receive communion today? Why do you come present yourself before our Lord in the Most Holy Eucharist? There's no necessarily right or wrong answer, but it's a question we should have an answer to. If it's just because we're going through the motions, it's what I always do, it's expected of me, I mean, that's good enough, I guess. But it should be about a personal encounter with a God who loves you, about divine mercy, about the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then I've gotten a number of practical questions over the last month or so, and I keep getting them over and over again, so I'm going to answer them in this homily. One question is about the Eucharistic fast before communion. Is it an hour before Mass or is it an hour before communion? Well, the Church teaches that it's an hour before you receive communion. It's fasting from food and drink, unless you need water or need to take some kind of medication. All of this is not because it's meant to be super hard, it's not hard to give up food and drink for an hour, but hopefully it would remind us to have some kind of physical hunger or longing for the only one who can satisfy our hearts. It's meant to prepare us physically and spiritually for the great gift of the Eucharist. Another question I've gotten quite often, Father, I don't understand why if I have unconfessed mortal sins, I can't go to communion. Don't I need Jesus Christ in order to fight against these sins? Well, it's true, we do need Jesus Christ to fight against sins, but the reason why the church says not to receive communion when we have unconfessed mortal sins is because to receive communion in that state is itself another mortal sin of sacrilege. Because by having mortal sin on our souls that's unconfessed, we're outside of communion with God because of our choices. But when we come forward to receive communion, we're saying by our actions, no, I am in communion with Him, and thus it's a lie. With the most holy sacrament of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus the church recommends to just simply remain in your pew or come forward to receive a blessing. And none of that is meant to be a punishment. It's not meant to say, well, you're a sinner, so you can't come. It's saying, all of us are sinners, so let's be made right with God in the confessional. And then be fully in communion with Him spiritually to receive Him sacramentally in the Most Holy Eucharist. It's all meant to be out of love and mercy and His divine gifts. All of these teachings, my brothers and sisters, this great joyful day of First Communion for these, our sons and daughters, is meant to be a day of rejoicing, 
But let us rejoice because of his merciful love that he so longs to be with you this day. Are you prepared for his coming? Why do you want to come receive communion? Why do you look forward to that encounter? How better can you prepare your heart for his gift? My brothers and sisters, today is Divine Mercy Sunday. As you receive the Most Holy Eucharist sacramentally or spiritually, my prayer for you is that it will be a very personal and real encounter with a God who did everything he possibly could to prove to you that you're worth it.